football season gets into some of the bigger schools, COVID-19 permitting, and two meet in the Alamo Bowl as Oklahoma faces Oregon. Both schools will have new coaches heading into 2022, so it'll be interesting to see how the interim ones do. Oklahoma's interim coach is Sooner legend Bob Stoops. One of the six balls our BetUS college crew will examine has intrigue. Rutgers is filling in for Texas A&M against Wake Forest at the Gator Bowl. Will the Scarlet Knights put up much of a fight against the Demon Deacons of the ACC? Let's hear what our college crew thinks. Welcome in to the BetUS College Football Show. I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And we have got a lot of bowl games to discuss. This is part five of our bowl previews. And let me go ahead and introduce our experts before we get to anything further. On the left side of your screen, I call him the numerical guru. His name is Parker Fleming. You can find him on Twitter at Stats of War. Parker, uh, yeah, you're the numbers guy. This has been a very strange, strange bowl season thus far, right? Do the numbers even matter anymore, Gary? <laughs> I don't know. I stayed up all night last night. I was staring out my window, looking at the stars, trying to figure out what's going on with this bowl season. I'm hoping here we've um, we've got some more games with, with some higher stakes, maybe uh, a little bit more uh, normality here towards the end of the bowl season. But, man, it has been uh, it has been crazy. It has certainly been that. I don't know if the numbers matter at this point. Uh, some of these games, maybe. Playoff games, maybe. Uh, but as far as some of these other ones with the number of opt-outs, the number of uh, players that are out due to illness or injury, etc., coaches changing, etc., this has been absolutely insane. I just I don't even know where to begin with it. Uh, on the right side of your screen, Kyle Hunter, our professional award-winning handicapper. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at KyleHunterPicks. Now, Kyle, uh, there, is there a good way to go about handicapping these games? I, I don't know that I have found one yet. Like, I, I've, we've been okay, but uh, give me your thoughts on this. You know, I, it's nerve-wracking. It's it's one of those, you know, you, you don't feel great about anything when you're watching these games. You're kind of, you know, waiting for the next shoe to drop. And, uh, you know, I would say tread carefully. I mean, it's just just very, it's like a minefield out there right now. You know, you, you think you know something and then something changes at the last minute. I mean, they, they can cancel a bowl game a few hours before the game, as we saw uh, with UCLA and NC State. Um, you know, I'm not one of those guys that likes to complain a lot, so I, I won't uh, dwell on the negative here. But, uh, you know, I am excited that we have some more games coming up that I think the teams will care about more. You know, we will have some of these today that, that maybe some of the teams won't. We'll try to, uh, you know, figure out which team might care more than the other because I think, you know, that kind of the number of opt-outs might matter more than the rest of the numbers in some of these games. But we are starting to get to some of the bigger games. So uh, looking forward to it. And, guys, you know, last couple shows with a lot of games, looking forward to it. Oh, most certainly. Most certainly. Uh, we did have eight games planned to talk about today. We have had one that was canceled. The uh, Arizona Bowl is out of here. Now, the Sun Bowl has a different matchup, so we're going to talk about that. we got a lot to discuss. Uh, before we get into any of it, first, I want to tell you, head over to BetUS.com. Make sure that you get signed up over there. Lots of bonuses, lots of good stuff over there, but that is the place. BetUS, where the game begins. Type it into your browser. Very easy to do. BetUS.com. Uh, along with that, since you're already here, I see multiple of you watching, uh, way more that are watching than have actually liked the video. There's a thumbs up button right there. That's the like button. Go ahead and like the video for us. Make sure that you subscribe to the channel. We are almost to 2,500 subscribers. That is one of our goals. We would certainly appreciate it if you would hit that subscribe button and share the show out. Uh, click the notification bell. That's going to let you know when we go live. Uh, it is typically Wednesdays and Thursdays. But with the season dwindling down, the schedule will change. So that notification bell will let you know exactly when we are going live. So make sure and click that one as well. Uh, along with that, jump in the comments. Jump in the chat. We would like to see you guys' opinions on these games. And if you have any questions about what is going on, if you want our opinion on anything, we're going to hit all the bowl games. So you don't have to worry about that. We're doing the playoffs tomorrow, just so everybody knows. But, uh, but you can jump in the chat and ask any kind of questions that you want. We will hit those at the end of the show if there are any. So uh, before we get further, let me go ahead and bring in Danny. She is going to tell you about one of our bowl contests. 
December, school is finally out and we're on that holiday spirit and that means free content prizes, baby. Our School's Out contest will be open this December 17th and all you gotta do is simply pick the winners for every college football game and guess the score for the championship game. The top three players with the most winners will get a free play. It's that simple. First place gets $2,000, second $1,000, and third $500. Now who doesn't like some extra cash on the holidays? Pick the most bowl winners and come out on the top. Head over to BetUS.com to get full details. All right, now we have got some bowls to discuss, but before we do that, let's go ahead and give you a recap of what our picks have done thus far throughout the season. Uh, we'll start off with my picks. I've made 106 of them thus far this season. I was 2-1 and one on the most recent bowl games, so not bad. 54 wins, 47 losses, and 4 pushes. Kyle, out of 75 picks, 42 wins and 33 losses. And Parker, with 134 picks, 58, 70, and 3. Kyle went 3-1 and one in the past week. Uh, Parker... Three and six uh, in the most recent bowl games, looking like it's going to move to three and seven as Virginia Tech uh, is not going to cover the three and a half. I don't believe. Uh, last we saw, they were down forty-seven to ten with ten minutes left in the ball game, so definitely not good. But uh, but we are moving right along. We got plenty of things to look forward to. Uh, the overall picks, by the way, one fifty-four, one fifty, and seven. You toss in the futures, which I like to do because those bets still cash. 179, 167, and 7 on the season. Now, let's go ahead and jump into the ball games. We have one this evening. It would be the Alamo Bowl between Oregon and Oklahoma. 9.15 p.m. Eastern Time this evening. Oklahoma has jumped all the way out to a 7-point favorite. Now, that is juiced. Uh, no, it's not juiced. Sorry. Minus 110. Typical. Uh, the total sits at 63. Now, that's actually moved up a little bit. Recently, Oregon nine and four against the spread against winning teams, six fourteen and one against the spread in non-conference games in the last twenty-one. So they have not been great when they've gone outside of the Pac-12. Oklahoma four and zero against the spread in neutral site games, five and two against the spread in their most recent bowl games, and they are four one and one in the last six against winning teams. Uh, so they typically play up to the level of competition, kind of the same way that Oregon does. Uh, there's a lot going on here, okay? Lincoln Riley left for USC, so Oklahoma has an interim coach, and that would be Bob Stoops. Yes, the living legend, the tequila slinger. Cristobal, Mario Cristobal, left for Miami, and now we have Bob Stoops against Brian McClendon. Two interim coaches. We're trying to figure out exactly what is going on. The Oregon staff is staying intact for this game, uh, minus Cristobal. Now, that is not the case with Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley took a bunch of guys with him, et cetera. There is a lot going on with Oregon opt-outs. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the wide receiver, Devin Williams. Um, they are down like 30-plus players, it has been reported. Who knows how many guys are actually going to suit up for Oregon in the Alamo Bowl. Uh, Kyle, I want to start off with you. Uh, there's there's some Oklahoma opt-outs and whatnot. There's guys that have already transferred, et cetera. Caleb Williams is still going to play quarterback. Uh, you look at some of the numbers, I, I don't know that the numbers matter here. Is there any logical way to handicap this game? No, Gary, I was I was hoping you were going to start with Parker on this one. <laughs> uh, you know, just because this game is, uh, this would be the one that I wouldn't want to pick. Nothing nothing to do with this one. Of all the games we talk about today, um, you know, the, the numbers, do they matter at all? You hear something like Oregon could be without 30-some guys in this game. I can't bet Oregon no matter what. You know, it's one of those where seven points is not enough. Certainly seven points would have been enough if they were at full strength and I would have wanted to take Oregon here. Um, you know, I think it'd probably take longer to say who's going to be out for Oregon than who's going to be in. Uh, you know, I, I know that Oregon's offense without the top couple wide receivers, um, Anthony Brown, to me, is a weakness. I, I think uh, throughout the course of the season, many times he's proved to be not really up to the task unless their run game's really good. They want that play-action game to work pretty well. Um, you know, Oklahoma's been good against the run this year, 39th in rushing play success rate. Uh, so we'll see if they can do it here. I will say Oklahoma's had a couple games where they looked really bad against the run, including that Baylor game. So, you know, they're overall, um, you know, overall they look like they're pretty good against the run. Oklahoma, uh, defensively, you know, they're going to look a little bit different. They have some opt-outs as well. Uh, you know, 
without three starting defensive linemen. So, I mean, yeah, how are they yeah. going to do stopping the run? How's Oregon going to do running the football? I don't know what to tell you guys about this one. I mean, I think if I had to bet this game, I'd probably uh, lean toward Oklahoma, but I'd, I'd rather look and see if Oregon can run the ball early and maybe look to live bet this game because I think this one has some blowout potential. You know, if Oklahoma gets ahead early, uh, Oregon has the potential to be one of those teams that kind of, uh, I don't want to say quits, but, you know, doesn't put in uh, great effort the rest of the way because the season's pretty much over. So uh, Stoops has to have an, a coaching advantage, I would think, here in this one. Uh, Eileen, Oklahoma, I'm not excited to lay seven points. I'm, I'm passing on this one. Why do you think the total has has jumped up as much as it has? I mean, it, it, just in the last few hours, it has gone from 61 up to 63. Uh, does that more have more to do with the defensive guys being out and people just thinking that the offenses will have success? Or is there something else at play there? Yeah, I think that probably has more to do with, um, you know, when people think that the game doesn't mean as much, the total usually gets bet up. And when people think it's a really big game and everybody cares a lot, the total gets bet down. So in this one, it's... Uh, you know, a lot of defensive guys out, and it could be a bit of carefree football. We could see some trick plays and stuff. I mean, what do these guys have to lose? You know, the, the guys that are coaching in this game. I mean, they might as well call some flea flicker that if it blows up on them, oh, well, you know, what are you going to do to these guys? So um, I, I would probably lean to the over as well, but I hate this game. <laughs> Parker, uh, you know I like to talk about turnover margin, et cetera. These two teams seem to take good care of the football, number 14 and number seven in turnover margin. Uh, I would imagine that changes if there are uh, a lot of guys out, if there are a lot of guys that uh, that aren't typically used to having the football in their hands. Uh, Nick Benito is out. Perion Winfrey, is uh, he's opted out. The wide receiver, Hazelwood, gone for Oklahoma. Um, Radler is already gone. Stogner gone. What, how do you look at this? How, how would you go about looking at this ballgame? Yeah, everything else aside, and we'll get to the context, I mean, there are 12 one-score games uh, between these two teams this, this, this season. They, uh, You know, Oregon has five, Oklahoma has seven. Of course, that speaks to turnover margin and things kind of bounces going their way uh, more often than not. But um, this, is, this is an interesting uh, game because Oklahoma's pass defense has been abysmal all season. 123rd in EPA per play, and you've got the opt-outs of potentially, you know, two or three NFL guys along that defensive line that could have been uh, creating some havoc there. Oregon is not poised um, well to to take advantage of a pass defense. They're 59th in EPA per pass. Um, two, two things that I note, Oregon is has been 10th in EPA per rush. They're rushing 59.1% of the time. Um, it is my sense that they are running over bad teams, uh, that they have, uh, you know, you look at the end of their schedule here and they got out physical by Utah, but the rest of their schedule, they, um, you know, they, they they won kind of boring games against against pretty bad teams. I don't know if they'll be able to run over Oklahoma necessarily, especially just because the talent level will be um, higher than anyone they face, even even Utah, just in terms of raw talent, the athletes on the field, even with the opt outs. So that's something to look at. The other thing that I think is uh, important about Oregon's defense, speaking to that quality of competition, they are 90th in success rate on defense, but 51st in EPA allowed on defense. In my mind, that paints a picture of Oregon allowing some progress on defense, but the athletes in their secondary uh, catching up with guys not allowing these big plays. You wonder if, again, there was that kind of athletic over uh, imbalance against the, the back half of their schedule. So even with the opt-outs, I think that Oregon's defense is at a disadvantage talent-wise. Obviously, Caleb Williams is going to be the best player on the field. Um, one thing to watch, Oregon's been really good on third downs, especially in the run game on offense this year. Oklahoma 90th in third and fourth down success. If Oregon's going to win this game, Oregon's going to slow this down. They're going to make it a rock fight. They're going to hope for the under and hope that they their physicality will will, will shine through. I, I, I liked Oklahoma a little bit at minus four, seven points in a game like this. I mean, I feel like it's either going to be a last minute field goal or it's going to be a 40 point blowout. I don't know that I can confidently bet on, on either of those outcomes. I feel the same way. None of us has an official play on this because so much has changed uh, that we just don't feel good about it. So we will not give an official play on this one. You can lean whichever direction you would like to. Uh, if you do lean a certain way, though, jump into the chat. We would like to hear your opinion on it. So with that said, uh, we are going to move on to the Thursday, December 30th games. And 1130 a.m. Eastern time, we've got the Dukes Mayo Bowl, North Carolina, 
facing off against South Carolina. Uh, no worries, Kyle. I'm going to start with Parker on this one. North Carolina one and four against the spread against the SEC. Excuse me. Let me get the line out here first. South Carolina is a 10-point underdog here. Total is 57. Uh, now, North Carolina one and four against the spread against the SEC. And, uh, not, I mean, just none of these numbers are great. Two and five against the spread in their last seven. One and eight against the spread after a spread win, which they did have at the end of the season. South Carolina 5-0 and against the spread as a neutral site underdog in their five most recent uh, games in that in that spot. 4-0 and against the spread as bowl underdogs. They are 2-5 and against the spread in their last seven, much the same way North Carolina is. Sam Howell, the quarterback for North Carolina, says he's going to play. Uh, South Carolina running back uh, White, the defensive end, uh, Inagmari. I hope I said that right. I probably didn't. Uh, they have opted out for the NFL. The quarterback, Jason Brown, has entered the transfer portal. Uh, guys, there is so much, so much to question about here. Parker, let's start off with you. Uh, North Carolina is number eight in offensive PPA per rush. South Carolina's defense is number 83 in that metric. Uh, and on the other side, uh, North Carolina can't stop the run. Number 123 in defensive line yards, number 128 in stuff rate, number 118 in defensive rushing success rate. I, I look for both of these teams to run the football pretty frequently. Is that kind of how you see this game going? Yeah, I have North Carolina at uh, 64th in early downs rush rate, rushing 54.2% of the time, and South Carolina 80th, 56.5% uh, of the time. Obviously, with some issues with personnel and some turnover, you, you think they'll favor the run game here. Um, I, I mean, you know, you want to root for South Carolina and kind of the, the story they've had and then a little bit the miracle's a big word for six and six. But, man, the things were bad when Shane Beamer took over. And the fact that he's motivated these guys has been really impressive. Obviously, um, North Carolina has been uh, up and down this season. They are really, really struggling uh, to, to replace some guys. And so I, I think the thing that stands out for me, again, d just like you said, the, the North Carolina rushing attack is really, really good. 10th and successory, 8th and EPA, I have them. Um, a lot of that has been driven by Sam Howell's running game. I mean, you look at a couple times this season, he's just decided, I'm Trevor Knight, and I'm going to be a fullback, and I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna run for chunk yards. I think that that dimension, coupled with the fact that he is a very accurate downfield passer, you look at, like, Auburn, obviously, T.J. Finley can, can run the ball well, but he didn't have the credible downfield threat that Sam Howell does to kind of stretch out this South Carolina defense. So the South Carolina defense has been good, 21st in, in overall EPA, ninth against the pass. And so um, 70th against the rush, it'll be nice to, uh, it, the matchup I'm watching is kind of how so South Carolina mitigates that deep threat of Howell while still pressing and defending the run up front, whether Howell can run um, and, and kind of make them pay uh, here as well. Uh, my, my last thought on this game is that uh, the FCC needs to step in. We cannot see a coach get doused in Mayo. They can't make <laughs> this happen. They're advertising it. They're tweeting about it. I won't stand for it. We need to have standards. <laughs> We need to have stand. I like this. I like this. I'm okay with the the mayo bath, but I I don't know. I, there might be there might be some illness that comes after that. Uh, for me personally, that just seems really gross, really disgusting. Kyle, uh, I'm looking at the South Carolina side of things. They are number 38 in offensive explosiveness, but they've got the number 100 success rate offense in the country. Uh, can they find enough explosive plays to stay in this ball game? Because I think. North Carolina has the motivation. The year did not go the way that they planned. I think they're going to show up here. I, does South Carolina have enough in the tank to be able to actually compete with these guys? What do you think? Well, I mean, Shane, Shane uh, Beamer has done a great job. You know, I, I think um, South Carolina getting to a bowl game is just really uh, unbelievable. You know, I would have never thought they could get to six and six. And also, if you look at their yards per play margin, negative 0.53, which is 98th in the country, hard to believe they got to six and six, but here they are. Uh, Jason Brown in the transfer portal, portal likely because, you know, he saw the writing on the wall for what was coming next year. Uh, Zeb Noland uh, starting here. Look, I think Nolan's a good competitor, but he's not exactly really a quarterback that you would want to have leading, uh, you know, based on his uh, lack of ability to throw the ball around. Um, Zikondre White, like you said, out of this game uh, for South Carolina. I, I mean, everything points toward North Carolina in this game. It's, it would be really hard to take South Carolina here. But North Carolina has been one of the most inconsistent teams in the country. You guys know I don't like laying a lot of points. This is minus 10. 
the Tar Heels, 37th in the nation in yards per play margin, but they're six and six. So we have a team that, you know, blew out some bad teams, ran up the score, and then they lost several games that they had no business losing. How can we excuse losing to Georgia Tech the way they did, losing to Virginia Tech the way they did? Uh, you know, I'm glad Sam Howell's playing. Uh, uh, props to him. I think it's fun that he's going to play in this game. Uh, I lean North Carolina in this game. I just don't want to trust this team to lay this many points. You know, I, I think North Carolina will win this game. They are the much more talented team. Uh, in theory, it looks like they have the the more um, the the roster that's been there all year more than South Carolina does. You know, South Carolina has a couple key guys out, so it won't surprise me if North Carolina romps in this game and wins really big. But I don't want to lay ten points. You know, I just think there's enough of an unknown to stay away. I tend to feel the exact same way. It all looks like North Carolina here, which is why the line has continued to go up and up. Uh, but South Carolina has found a way to stay in some ball games. I wouldn't count them out of anything. I don't feel strongly enough about either side to actually bet it. So uh, that would be two straight with no official picks from us. I think we all kind of lean North Carolina, uh, but not strong. I mean, you can't trust this team. Can't trust them. So with that said, we'll move on again. And I, we do have picks on this game. I will tell you that. The Music City Bowl, Tennessee facing off against Purdue, and the Bowlermakers are a six-point underdog here. The total sits at 64 and a half. Now, there's all kinds of things going on with this, uh, just like every other <laughs> every other bowl game. Uh, the wide receiver Wright and David Bell have opted out for Purdue. Uh, the cornerback Mackey is out. Uh, defensive end Carl Loftus is out. Um, Tennessee running back Tyon Evans has transferred to Louisville. Both teams have really strong strength of schedules. Tennessee four and one against the spread against the Big Ten in their last five. Four and one against the spread as a favorite this season. They are one and seven against the number after a straight up win, which they had at the end of the year. Purdue four and one against the spread in their last five games. They are two and six against the spread, however, in their last eight bowl games. But they are seven and three against the spread against winning teams. Jeff Brom tends to show up against good football teams. And Kyle, let's start off with you on this one. Uh, Purdue is number seventeen in offensive PPA per drive. Tennessee, the number 114 defense. I, I think Purdue, even with those two wide receivers out, I still think they're going to be able to throw the ball around a little bit. Jeff Brom, very creative offensively. Uh, this total, of course, shows you that these are two offensive coaches. 64 and a half points. Uh, yeah, uh, between Josh Heupel and Jeff Brom, I would expect some creative play calling in this spot. Kyle, how, uh, how do you see this game playing out? Here's one where I'm excited to be the one talking first. I'm looking forward to this game. Uh, Tennessee, Purdue. Purdue's defense, I, you know, I think their defense is a bit shaky, even with Carl Loftus. And now without him, a clear step down. Um, I think I might be a bit higher on Tennessee than you guys are. So um, Purdue's overall defensive numbers look pretty good, but the offenses they face were really not very good. If you if you look at what they've done against good offenses, 7.3 yards per play given up against uh, Michigan State. Just 23 points, but 6.9 yards per play against Nebraska. Um, 30 points and almost 300 yards rushing against Wisconsin. And then 9.0 yards per play and 59 points against Ohio State, 45 in the first half. Uh, on the other hand, Purdue's offense got a lot better later in the season. Uh, O'Connell is playing really good football. In fact, you know, I was really impressed when I saw he is number nine in passing offense grade. Um, actually, no, Purdue is number nine in passing offense grade at PFF, and Aiden O'Connell is sixth in passer grade uh, personally. So, uh, look, guys, the only guys he's behind are Grayson McCall, uh, Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett, C.J. Stroud, and and Clayton Toon. Toon is surprising to be up there, too. Um, <laughs> but underrated in this Braum offense, you know, like Gary said there, Braum is an offensive mastermind, really, really good coach. I like Jeff Braum quite a bit. Um, you know, as a Buckeyes fan, Purdue is one of the teams that I, I kind of like to root for if they're not playing Ohio State. Um, but, but Tennessee plays so fast, number one in the nation in tempo. Uh, you know, this is a Hendon Hooker dual threat ability is pretty dangerous. I, th I think uh, Purdue's defense will struggle to defend him. Purdue has given up 28 plays of 30 yards or more so far this year, and the Volunteers ranked 13 in offensive success rate. Uh, Purdue is 33rd. Purdue can't run. We know they can't run, so they're just going to throw the ball. Um, you know, even without David Bell, 
and the second receiver. Purdue still has some pretty good receivers. I don't think they're without talent on the outside. And Tennessee's secondary is their weakness, no doubt. 69th in coverage grade at PFF. I think we see a lot of scoring in this game. Both teams can put up points really quickly. If one team gets ahead, the other team's just going to throw it constantly and play quick. I don't think either team's going to really slow down that much, even with a lead. So I like the over in this one. I'll take the over here. I can uh, I can totally see that. Totally see that. Parker, um, you know I like to look at some of these other stats. Uh, Purdue number 17 in penalty yards per game. Pretty disciplined team with Jeff Brom at the helm. Tennessee number 83. Uh, now, we can always assort that to uh, aggressiveness, et cetera, and Purdue has certainly been that on defense so far this year. The turnover margin's pretty even. Number 64, number 65 teams in the country. Uh, this Tennessee defense is the worst against the run, but the secondary is certainly certainly a weakness here. I, I, I look at this, and I, I see ways that Purdue can win this ball game. This line has gone from Purdue as a three-point favorite over to a six-point underdog. It seems like way too much line movement, even with the opt-outs here. I, I really like Purdue here. Which, uh, which way are you leaning on this one? Yeah, I'm definitely in agreement there. I'm I'm not unimpressed with Tennessee, but I think what I like about Tennessee is what they can be in the future. Um, and specifically when I look at this, I mean, a, a really fun matchup of kind of, be, uh, of, of Tennessee offense on Purdue defense. Um, it'll be interesting to see how Tennessee capitalizes on opportunity. Their offense is 19th in quality possession rate. Purdue's defense is 46, but uh, in points per quality possession, Tennessee is 13th. Purdue defense is 23rd. So Purdue's been very stout at kind of uh, not not breaking in the red zone there. Um, and they've been great on, on third and fourth downs, 16 uh, overall. Uh, Hooker's ability to rush will be really interesting. He's, you know, averaging seven yards of scramble and kind of spreading out a Purdue defense that's filling some holes. That third dimension in college football is always so important, not just run pass, but the quarterback run. So um, what kind of game Hooker has here really depends on how Purdue is able to um, kind of force Tennessee's hand on offense. On the flip side, yeah, I've got Tennessee at about 70 at the EPA per pass. Purdue's offense is 24th. Uh, it's notable that Purdue's uh, offensive success rate in passing is 11th. Their EPA is 24th. So again, a little more efficient than they are explosive. But Tennessee's defense is, is a lot, uh, gives up a lot more efficiency than they do explosiveness. 80th uh, against the pass in success rate versus 70th um, in EPA per pass. So um, uh, Tennessee has a, has a pretty big advantage here in field position. I think that'll determine a lot of um, kind of where Tennessee uh, is able to to put Purdue in bad situations. But then again, Purdue really disciplined, really good on, on third downs, 23rd on third and fourth downs um, on offense, whereas Tennessee is 120th. So uh, I, I like Tennessee money line here, but I, I really think that six points is too much for uh, a Purdue defense that's been feisty throughout the year and a Purdue offense that's, um, you know, has that explosive potential, can kind of rip off these, 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 uh, successful, consistent drives. So um, I like I like Purdue plus six here. Um, and my pet theory right now, I, I think that with the way recruiting's gone in West Lafayette, Jeff Brown might be auditioning for greener pastures. Um, and so seeing what he can do in these big postseason games against SEC teams, that's going to matter for his resume and for what's going on. So maybe some motivation factor there. I like Purdue plus six. That uh, that definitely makes sense. Let's go ahead and make that official. Parker and I both like Purdue to cover the six, and Kyle likes the over 64 and a half. Now, that will take us to another Thursday night game, 7 p.m. Eastern time. We've got the Peach Bowl between Pittsburgh and Michigan State. I guess I could just call them Pitt if uh, if you want to be honest and real about it. Uh, Michigan State is a three-point favorite, juiced at minus 105. The total sits at 56 here, and we have some notable, notable opt-outs. In this ballgame, quarterback Kenny Pickett has opted out. Uh, the offense coordinator for Pittsburgh has left for Nebraska. And, you know, Mark Whipple, uh, the the architect of this offense, he was kind of what made the Pittsburgh offense roll. Uh, Kenneth Walker III is out. Uh, he has opted out for the NFL draft, et cetera. But good news for Michigan State, they get Jalen Naylor back, it appears. Uh, that's the latest reports that I've seen. I don't think it's official as of yet, but it does look like he is going to play. There is not a single backup quarterback for Pitt that has attempted more than 14 passes this season. <laughs> I mean, that is definitely not good. Uh, but going up against the Michigan State defense, you know, that secondary, definitely not good. Definitely not good. 
Pitt six and one against the spread against winning teams. They are eight and two against the spread in their last ten, but they are one and four against the spread in their last five bowl games. Michigan State six and one against the spread in their last seven bowl games, and uh, eight two and two against the spread on the season. This has been a covering team. They've done a really, really good job. Uh, Parker, let's start off with you on this. Pitt's strength of schedule, not nearly what Michigan State's is. Uh, they're pretty even on penalties and turnovers. When you dive into the numbers, I Pitt would have really had a big advantage in the passing game here. But without Pickett, I don't know that you can say that anymore. Uh, how, how would you look at this? Yeah, I, I think that's definitely um, what's – this is one of those great uh, what-could-have-been games um, just because the matchup was so interesting, especially with with Michigan State's secondary being kind of exploitable and, and Pitt having some flaws too. thought it was kind of funny. I saw uh, yesterday that they were advertising this game, and you think it would be Kenny Pickett and Kenneth Walker Jr. and, and Or, or the, the fourth, sorry, and, and, and whatever um, – and actually, it was it was the opposite. They had uh, the Pittsburgh running back, and then Peyton Thorne as the as the featured players. So uh, <laughs> definitely scraping the bottom of the barrel here um, in, in terms of uh, promotion. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, Kenny Pickett's accuracy is the biggest thing um, that that they're they're going to miss. I mean, he is is connecting on sixty seven percent of his passes, seventy eight point eight percent adjusted completion percentage. So it's not like you can have a backup come in and just just replicate that. Michigan State 101st in EPA per pass, seventh against the rush, but those big splits are really um, tell you that, you know, people are passing against them. They don't have to rush against them, uh, only in obvious situations. So um, there's so much uncertainty with Pittsburgh's offense. They haven't rushed particularly well, 54th in EPA per rush um, and, and 49th in, in rushing success rate. But they're only rushing on 49, 45.9% of early downs, which is 23rd in the nation. I imagine they'll try and pass. I imagine they'll be very creative and uh, pull out all the stops. Because, um, again, you can't oversell like how monumental uh, a, a New Year's Six Bowl would be for a team that hasn't won the conference or been in the conference championship in a while. So um, that, that's definitely something to look at. Uh, on defense, uh, a couple things stand out to me. They're you know, obviously very good against the rush, ninth in EPA rush. And um, Michigan State's offense has actually been more effective uh, passing than it has in rushing. A lot of that is because you get a lot of rushing volume and, uh, and, and some of those aren't as efficient. Um, but another thing that stands out to me, Michigan State does not create many opportunities on offense. 53.8% quality possession rate is 52nd in the nation. Pitt's defense is allowing quality possessions on only 41.1%. So if you're betting Pitt here, you're believing that their defense under Narduzzi is going to be able to frustrate Michigan State enough and that their offense is going to be creative enough to, to score um, and, and, and finish drives well. So this one uh, I think is, is fun because you have two coaches who um, you know have, have gotten a lot of buzz this year. Mel Tucker just got an absurd extension really being tested. They, they both have equal time to prepare. They both knew that their stars were going to be out. So it's kind of like, hey, when you don't have the ace up your sleeve, what are you what are you going to do? What is this going to look like when the rubber meets the road? So really, really interesting matchup, even without the star power. Um, I think I would slightly, slightly lean towards um, towards Pitt, but I, I don't have an official play here because, again, who knows what either of these teams are going to look like without kind of their workhorses on both sides of the ball. Uh, you have certainly got that right. I, I look at two defensive-minded coaches, and without the guys that they trust the most in the games, I I will go ahead and tell you before we get to Kyle, I like the under 56 in this. Uh, the total plays per game, Michigan State, <clears throat> excuse me, number 10, and Pitt is number 11. Uh, this I, I tend to believe that these two guys, these two teams, are going to uh, maybe reel it in a little bit. Uh, Kyle, give me give me your thoughts on this. What, which direction would you go with these two teams? Yeah, I mean, Kenny Pickett, it would have been a massive mismatch, like you said, against the secondary for for Michigan State. Uh, but then you bring in Nick Patty at quarterback. Um, I see a low ceiling for the Pitt offense. You know, I feel like uh, uh, Narduzzi is defensive minded enough and he is very conservative. I mean, we've seen him kick field goals on fourth and goal from the half yard line before. So we know that Narduzzi is not above, you know, running the ball up the middle and trying to have a low scoring game. So it wouldn't surprise me if Narduzzi is pretty uh, cautious in this game. Uh, Mark Whipple leaving is key for, for Pitt as well. I mean, he did a really good job coaching that offense up. Um, Taysier Mack also out for this game, the wide receiver for Pitt, who was averaging 17 yards per reception. Uh, you know, so it doesn't really look good for the passing game. Now, I know Michigan State's passing defense has been really bad, but I don't know that Pitt uh, 
has the offense now that can take advantage of it. The pit defense in recent weeks, guys, has actually been pretty good. Um, their 30th and success rate allowed for the season, and they just absolutely stoned uh, Wake Forest after the first quarter in that ACC title game. I mean, Sam Hartman uh, was uh, seeing ghosts or something out there. Uh, Michigan State, <laughs> Michigan State, uh, what are they going to be able to do against the pit defense? I don't feel real confident that Thorne is going to have a huge game. I think they can break some big plays here or there. But the, the passing attack for Michigan State is really not that reliable. Uh, Naylor uh, playing would certainly help quite a bit. But Walker is a big play guy who can make things happen. Uh, really big loss for that offense. I'm going to take under 28 here in the first half, thinking that they'll play conservatively at least at the beginning of this game. I do like the full game under as well, Gary. So, uh, you know, I just like the unders in general in this game. Uh, it totally makes sense. Uh, even with all of the plays that they have done throughout the season, I still believe two defensive guys without the guys that they trust the most uh, are going to resort back to what they normally do, right? What they have done basically their entire careers. And for Mel Tucker, which is a short career, uh, they're defensive guys that like to run the football and don't take a whole lot of risks. And and I assume there will be running and really safe passing plays. So let's go on and make this official. We've got two plays on this. I like the under 56 for the full game. Uh, and Kyle likes the first half under 28. And I, I kind of like the first half under 28 as well. I think both halves under for sure. Like, I'm, I'm all in on this. I think this will be a, a lower scoring game because I don't see much uh, happening with Pitt's offense without Mark Whipple being there. Pat Narduzzi, we've seen him in the past. That's what he does. He likes to run the ball. Uh, without the mastermind behind that offense, I don't see them doing a whole lot, even against that weak Michigan State secondary. Let me go ahead and remind everybody, uh, like the video for us if you have not already. We've got quite a few people watching now. We certainly appreciate all of you, uh, especially Tim and Bruce and Eric, etc. Derek, even you as well. Uh, <laughs> we appreciate you guys jumping into the chat. If you do have questions for the Q&A at the end of the show, go ahead and toss them in there. But, uh, but like the video for us and make sure and click that subscribe button. We're trying to hit our 2,500 goal. Uh, and then, of course, there will be more goals after that. But go ahead and subscribe to the channel for us and hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. Again, we will be here tomorrow talking about the playoffs, all of January 1st games, etc. But Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern time, we will go ahead and discuss all of those. Let's move on to the Las Vegas Bowl. Wisconsin taking on Arizona State, and the Sun Devils are a six-point underdog in Allegiant Stadium. It is a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, total of 41. Not a lot of points between these two, Paul Christ and Herm Edwards. Uh, Wisconsin, 5-2 and two against the spread in bowl games, 3-8 and eight against the spread against winning teams, and they are 1-7 against the spread in their last eight as a neutral site favorite. Now, Arizona State... 8-2 against the spread in their last 10 against the Big Ten. They are 1-5 against the number as a bowl underdog, and they are 3-8 against the spread in their last 11 bowl games. So haven't exactly shown up there. Arizona State's top two running backs, uh, Rashad White and, uh, let's see, Trayanum. I hope I say that right. Both of them have opted out. They are, they are done here. The cornerbacks, Lucas and Jones, have hit the transfer portal. Uh, again, it makes it really, really weird. It looks like everybody's going to play for Wisconsin. I haven't seen any real opt-outs, uh, at least not meaningful uh, players for them. Uh, guys, Kyle, let's start off with you on this. Uh, total plays per game, Wisconsin number 126, Arizona State number 112. Uh, Arizona State is number 128 in the country in penalty yards per game. This looks like not a lot of points, and really it's just which – team didn't go out and uh, <laughs> and get themselves in trouble in Las Vegas. That's what I'm looking at. Uh, Kyle, which which way do you see this game going? I was wondering where you're going with that one, Gary. I, was, <laughs> I had to catch I myself. Like it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think in this game, um, Arizona State has played a lot weaker schedule than has Wisconsin. That's a big reason for why the line is what it is. Uh, Arizona State's strength of schedule, according to Sagarin, 67th, Wisconsin 6th. Um, you know, we've talked about uh, Jaden Daniels many times before. I, I don't know if we know who Jaden Daniels is yet. You know, it's like I said before, you know, is he the best bad quarterback or the worst good quarterback? Probably one of those, um, you know, but he's disappointed, no doubt, especially considering how 
how highly touted he was. This was a guy that was supposed to be really good. He's certainly good with his legs and he can make things happen, but passing has been a problem. Uh, Wisconsin is second in yards per play allowed. That defense is very good. First in success rate, first in run play success rate, second in pass play success rate. So can Arizona State move the ball here? Probably not very much. You look at the other side, uh, which Graham Mertz shows up. Um, also, guys, I'm going to hijack this just for a second. <laughs> Who's been the bigger disappointment, uh, Graham Mertz or Jaden Daniels? Uh, I, I'll go Mertz. Parker, what do you think? I, I think Mertz, too, one, just because we were having conversations last year about was it more – not we. Not we. I wasn't having this conversation. But is it more <laughs> likely that Graham Mertz is going to get benched or win the Heisman? was a real segment on college game day. Um, Daniels, I think we've always known, is like – He's a roller coaster. You know what you're signing up for. And so I, he's been a roller coaster this year. I, th- I think Mertz is way, way more underwhelming. Yeah, Mertz has certainly been disappointing. And, and, you know, Wisconsin finally had that really big name quarterback where really they hadn't had great quarterbacks. They'd, you know, been game managers. And we thought that Graham Mertz might be that next guy. And he, he hasn't been the really big, big play guy. Uh, Lucas and Jones, two solid corners out for Arizona State. Hurts. I wouldn't expect to see big plays in this game. 129th in explosiveness on offense for Wisconsin, 103rd for Arizona State, and that's with their running backs. Um, I trust Wisconsin more than I trust Arizona State. I would lean Wisconsin here. Uh, These low bowl totals have gone over more than they've gone under, and this being in a dome, uh, you know, a place where weather's not going to be an issue. This is a hard over to take. You know, I'm not suggesting anybody take over 41 here. But I'm, I'm going to stay neutral on the total because it is so low. It does seem really, really low here, but I, it's, I wanted to take the under, but I have no idea what to expect out of turnovers or whatever else. It, it's a motivation play, and I have no idea which team is more motivated. Uh, Parker, uh, you know, I look at some of these. Uh, Arizona State has no clear advantage, I don't think, anywhere on the field. Uh, if Wisconsin decides to run the ball here, uh, they're number 55 in success rate, number 48 in stuff rate allowed. Arizona State is number 69 in rushing success rate allowed. Uh, I think Wisconsin would prefer to run the football. That's when they've had their most success this year. And I think Arizona State will let them do that. Uh, how, how do you see it happening? Yeah, a, a couple things that I think are important. One, uh, super slow pace for both of these teams. 111th in rush rate for um, Arizona State and 123rd for Wisconsin. So I am definitely expecting uh, a, a, an under. Um, and I think that's why I'm leaning towards Arizona State is is six points is a lot here. And, and Arizona State hasn't necessarily looked outclassed at any time this year. They've looked confused. They've looked crisscrossed. But generally, um, th- there's times I think that they have they have talent and they have a vision. Um, and, and even if that hasn't worked out well, they, they have been able to implement that. The cornerback loss is huge. I wonder how much that will affect the run game. Again, that's, that's probably above my pay grade in terms of run fits and the way they run their defense. But um, Wisconsin's not able to take advantage of that. 124th in EPA per pass, uh, 56th in passing success rate. They're, they're just barely holding on there um, in the pass game. So it's not like they'll be able to take super big advantage uh, of that overall. Another thing to look at, uh, Wisconsin's bad at two things on offense. Well, they're bad at a lot of things on offense, but I'm going to talk about two things that they're bad at. Uh, points per quality possession, finishing drives. They get very few explosive, big, long touchdowns. And when they cross the 40, they're kicking field goals uh, more often than not. They're 117th in points per quality possession. Arizona State's defense, 25th um, in points per quality possession allowed. So Wisconsin's opportunities uh, might might be a lot, but I don't know that they're going to be able to capitalize on those opportunities as well as they have all season. The second thing, Wisconsin 107th in third and fourth down success. Arizona State is 62nd. That's not amazing, but then again, um, Wisconsin, even with that good running game, uh, has not been able to to kind of avoid these bad third down situations or capitalize um, uh, all around. So I expect a slow game. Um, I, I definitely... Um, expect Wisconsin to win. But I mean, you look at six points, uh, 20, you know, 20, 20 to 15, 17, 13, some kind of boring game, uh, nine to six. I don't know. All the possibilities are endless, <laughs> but I do think that the boring game here is what Wisconsin wants and what's going to happen. And so I think that I'm going to go with Arizona state and the points, uh, in this ball game. It totally makes sense. Totally. Ma- Let's go ahead and make it official. Uh, Parker is going to ride with the Sun Devils to cover the six, uh, for those asking about the total and whatnot. 
the 42, Kyle, correct me if I'm wrong here, 42 is a key number, 45 is a key number. Uh, if this were above 42, say 42 and a half, 43, I probably would have bet the under. I don't like the no man's land of 41 here, so I'm staying away from it. Absolutely staying away. Um, and so we do have two more games that we're going to discuss. Let's go ahead and dive into our next one. This is a New Year's Eve game, 11 a.m. Eastern time. The Gator Bowl down in Jacksonville, Florida. Wake Forest taking on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. That's right. Texas A&M out of this ball game in Rutgers decided to save the day. And uh, what a weird circumstance this was. Rutgers is a 15-point underdog. Total sits at 62-and-a-half. Wake Forest 4-0 and against the spread as a favorite. They are 4-1 and against the spread after a spread loss. And... They are 1-4 and four against the spread against the Big Ten, but I don't believe many of those were against Rutgers. I will say that. Uh, Greg Schiano has a 5-7 and seven Scarlet Knights team in a bowl game. They are 4-0 and oh against the spread in their non-conference, 7-1-1 one one against the spread in their last nine bowl games, but they are 2-6 and six against the spread in their last eight games and 0-4 oh against the spread against teams with a winning record. There's a lot to dive into. Uh, Wake Forest wide receiver Jakari Robinson Robertson, excuse me, their best uh, leading receiver, I'll say that. Uh, he has opted out for the NFL. And you start diving into numbers here, there is not a lot of advantages for Rutgers. I just, I, it's a lot of points, and I don't feel good taking Wake over two touchdowns in a bowl game. But I'm going to start off with Parker here. Uh you know I like to look at the the turnovers, et cetera. Rutgers very rarely beats themselves. They're number 32 in turnover margin. Wake Forest is number 24. Penalty yards, Rutgers is number 16, and Wake Forest is number 75. You've got a bad Rutgers offense against a bad Wake defense, and then you've got a Rutgers average defense against a really good Wake offense. Uh, give, me, give me some thoughts here on... Can either of these teams cover this 15? Like, I, I think Wake probably has the better chance to because Rutgers hasn't even been in the football facility until Christmas Day for about a month. Uh, which direction do you would you go on this? I have no idea. Man, 15 is a ton. And and if this was like a if they if they were playing two weeks after the end of the season and they both known the whole time there was no asymmetry there, I think I'd go with with Rutgers. Honestly, um, Wake Forest in that game against Pitt. Um, I mean, Wake Forest defense actually played really well in that in that conference championship game, which is crazy. Um, they they scored uh, Pitt scored 21 points on three drives that ended after punt returns or turnovers that that, that started in Wake territory. Outside of that, Wake Forest held Pitt to just 1.42 points per drive. Um, I do not think that's what anyone was expecting in the in the conference championship game there. And Pitt's defense won them that game. So Wake Forest defense. They, you know, they they knew what was coming with Pickett, and they were able to attack it. Obviously, um, Rutgers doesn't have a Kenny Pickett or even the, the playmakers of Pitt. So I, I think that Wake's defense has been playing better down the stretch. Um, uh, again, how do you project with with the change in opponent and what kind of scheming and everything goes into this? That's that's really really hard to do here. Um, and so I'm just going to take this time to talk about Wake Forest having a great offense. I mean, 10th in EPA per pass, but 59th in EPA per rush. Um, that's, that's over the course of a season. Like that's not a fluke. That's not a, you know, that's not, you can't, um, opponent adjust your way from, from top 10 to, you know, only top 60 or something. They're really, really quality. Um, and they've, they've played a really, really sharp, uh, and taken advantage of short fields on offense, 20th and field position, sixth on third and fourth down success here. So, um, insofar as Rutgers does anything well, um, I think that, uh, you know, you, you look at what, uh, Wake's been able to do in the last couple of games on defense. That certainly encourage, you know, Rutgers defense, 60th in EPA per play, 37th against the rush, 91st against the pass, though. Um, and and as we know from all season, the claw offense is is weird and, and hard to prep for. So I, I expect Wake to win comfortably. 15 points, though, in a game that's going to involve a lot of chaos just because there hasn't been a ton of advanced scouting and there's last-minute logistics. Um Hopefully it will be as fun as BYU Coastal last year where things kind of moved around at the last minute and happened. But uh, I don't I don't have a strong lean either way here. Um, wake wake money line. I don't know if we're doing that. Uh, but uh, but 15 points, man. I mean, that's just that's just right there. I, I, so I don't I don't have a strong lean um, uh, just because of the lack of preparation at 15 is exactly what I made the line when when it was announced. 
uh, well, it took a little time for, or I guess when it was being rumored, because uh, I had multiple options for, all right, here's what it would be if they play Illinois. Here's what it would be if they do. Da, da, da. 15 is exactly what I landed on. So there's no way I'm going to take them in this spot. Uh, Rutgers number 121 in defensive passing PPA in uh, the la- or since week seven. Uh, that is certainly not good. Sam Hartman, I believe I saw a stat that 70% of Sam Hartman's passing yardage is through the air. Like it's not yards after catch, which is just an absurd number. Uh, so, you know, that, that claw offense, like you talked about, is absolutely legit. Kyle, um, Rutgers number 127 in offensive PPA per drive against Wake number 94 defense. Uh, what are what are we going to see out of Rutgers here? Like, you know that I like Sean Gleason. I, I like uh, the, the Rutgers offense coordinator. I just don't know how Rutgers gets this thing rolling if they've got less than a week to prep and go to the bowl site and they just figured out that they're playing in the game on Christmas Eve, I think it was, and how, how do you even do this if you hadn't been in the football facility for a month? What, what are your thoughts here? You know, um, Rutgers is a team that I tried to back one time earlier this year against Penn State. Penn State was in that sleepy spot uh, where really uh, Rutgers, it was like zero to zero with five minutes till half. And then it was seven nothing at halftime. And I felt pretty good about it. Unfortunately, I watched a lot of that game. I hate that I had to watch a lot of that game. But, you know, Rutgers ended up losing 28 to nothing. I, I think they got inside the 20 one time the entire game. I mean, their offense is so dreadful. It, it's just terrible. Penn State didn't play well and still won 28 nothing. I guess I tried to get too cute there with a the big underdog. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those spots where Rutgers, do they have enough offense to stay in this game? Because you, you would think Wake Forest is going to score points here. Um, and I will say, if you look back at last year, Wake Forest outgained uh, Wisconsin 518 to 266 in that bowl game. Uh, they lost by, I think, a couple touchdowns. Uh, Hartman threw four interceptions. Wake Forest was also one for four on fourth down. Um, you know, Hartman has had a lot of turnover-worthy plays here of late, nine in his last three games. His PFF grade has been 67.7 or lower in three of his last four games. Um, you know, the way I would say this, and I, you know, Rutgers is – to me, Rutgers is like Iowa, but without the really good defense that forces a lot of turnovers. I mean, so, you know, they do play hard, and I respect I respect Greg Schiano. Uh, I'm not really trying to bust Rutgers or Iowa. It's just, you know, it, it does kind of remind me of uh, Iowa in that they want a lower-scoring game, but their defense really doesn't force those turnovers, and their offense has no explosiveness uh, they made a bowl game despite being 115th out of 130 teams in yards per play margin. Uh, Shiano is a good coach. He gets his team to play hard. Um, I can't take Rodgers here. I can't take him plus the points. Um, my slight lean in this one, if I had to bet, it would be the under. I, I like that. I like that. I don't have an official play on this either. Uh, none of us really likes this number whatsoever. Uh, so we're going to stay away from it. But again... Jump into the chat if you have a lean one way or the other. We would love to know your thoughts on this. Uh, P-Matt jumps in, said he's trying to uh, try rooting for them every week. I think he's talking about Rutgers. That has got to be rough. That has got to be very rough to do. We do have one more game, and we do have an official play on this one. So let's go ahead and get to it. New Year's Eve, 12 p.m. Eastern time, the Sun Bowl between Washington State and Central Michigan. That's right. Central Michigan not playing in the uh, Arizona Bowl. They have moved over to El Paso. They are getting a much bigger payout for this one in a standalone window, or I guess not standalone, excuse me, on CBS. Uh, This is interesting. The line is now seven. Central Michigan is the underdog here. The total is 57.5. Washington State, eight and one against the spread in their last nine games. They are one and five against the spread in their last six non conference games. Central Michigan, four and oh against the spread in their last four games. 4-1 against the spread as an underdog, but they are 0-4 against the number in their last four bowl games. There are some guys that are out for Washington State here. Max Borgie declared for the NFL. The backup running back is out. The starting left tackle is out with an injury in this game. And when I look at Central Michigan and what Jim McElwain is doing, uh, Daniel Richardson, Khalil Pimpleton, uh, the running back Lou Nichols, this offense is potent and while Washington State has been really fun to watch this year a lot of their 
a lot of the things that this team has done well has been because of their turnover margin, right? They're number 10 in the country, Central Michigan number 51 in that regard. Uh, I I like both of these teams. Both of these are fun to root for because of the circumstances of the bowl game. There are very few MAC teams that have played in as storied bowl games as the Sun Bowl, and that makes this one a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of fun. Kyle, let's start off with you here. At penalty yards, you know, number fifty-five and number sixty-six. Neither one, you know, great at that. Uh, but when you look at the stats since week seven, Washington State number twenty-two in offensive PPA per drive. Central Michigan's defense is number seventy-five, and then Central Michigan number twenty-five in PPA per drive. Washington State number eighty-two on defense in that metric. Neither one of these defenses is great at stopping uh, the other team's offense, but both of the offenses are really, really fun. So 57 and a half seems like it could be a low number here. What, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I strongly considered the over here as a play in this one. And I still might bet this one personally. Um, I do think this number is a bit too low. Uh, you know, Washington state, I would think they'd be able to throw the football on Central Michigan here. Um, I like Jaden Delora. I think he's a fun quarterback, uh, can scramble around, uh, make things happen. Uh, Washington State, like you said, plus 10 turnover margin. Uh, They forced 26 fumbles this year, recovered 13 of them, uh, 14 interceptions on defense as well. Um, You know, it's it's hard to figure out motivation in a game that was just decided a few days ago. You know, a little time to prep, for this matchup, I actually think the little time to prep probably helps the offenses more than anything because, you know, you don't have as much time to scheme uh, scheme up a defense. Uh, it leads me toward an over, and Central Michigan's pass defense has not really faced great passing attacks, and yet they're still number 103 in explosive plays allowed in the passing game. Uh, Jaden Delora, I think, has a big game in this one. Uh, Washington State ninth at PFF and pass blocking grade. So Central Michigan, who brings a lot of blitzes and has 36 sacks this year, can they get to Delora? Uh, probably not as much as most uh, teams that they've played against. And uh, Lou Nichols doesn't get too much love with his 1,700 uh, rushing yards. But uh, he should have a big game here. Why would he not? Washington State's 121st and success rate allowed on rushing plays. Uh, Central Michigan 12th and run blocking grade at PFF. I think McIlwain's done a really good job with Central Michigan. And in general, I know he got a bad rap there. He didn't have a great run in the SEC, but he is a good coach. Um, I think they should be able to run the ball quite a bit in this one. Pretty strong lean to the over for me on this one. I don't really even know what I would take on a side. Uh, you know, Washington State's played the 44th uh, toughest schedule, according to Sagra and Central Michigan, 101st. But like Gary said, Washington State's success has come a lot from the turnover margin. So. Uh, I'll, I'll let you guys talk about the side more, but I do like the over some in this one. It's, I, I really do like the over. Um, I will certainly lean that direction. Parker, uh, you know how much I love Pimpleton and Richardson and uh, Lou Nichols and what they're doing at Central Michigan. Uh, this offense is really explosive. Uh, Central Michigan, number seven, offensive uh, uh, passing PPA. And Washington State is number 84 in that metric on defense. So not only can Washington State not really stop the run, they're not very good against the pass either. I think McIlwain is going to be able to drop whatever he wants to. Uh, This really will come down to motivation, I think, which most of these bowl games have. Uh, Which direction are you looking at for this? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that this being a, a touchdown is interesting. Obviously, with the MAC and the and, and a Power Five team, the the talent uh, is going to be extremely. Um, Asymmetric, even a team like Washington State that doesn't necessarily uh, kill the recruiting game. I, I obviously think they have more talent than the Central Michigan team uh, on the whole. I mean, Central Michigan, 18th in EPA pass, 33rd in the rush. Like, obviously, a very competent uh, offense. Their struggles this year just came when the defense couldn't do enough. Um, uh, against teams that were uh, less complete than them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, with Scott, or excuse me, Washington State, 17th in early downs rush rates uh, in, in the nation. Central Michigan is 58th. And so uh, a little bit of asymmetry in the um, pacing here. Uh, I do think Central Michigan will score where the, the, the defensive side of things is where I'm worried. Central Michigan is 99th uh, in raw EPA per pass. That does not account for the schedule they face, which 
Um, again, say what you will about the Mac, but elite passing offense is not the the epithet for for that conference. Um, 62nd in EPA per rush. Again, not great. 97th in overall defensive success rate. So um, I do expect Washington State to have some, uh, obviously, some more success. Washington State at times has looked feisty against better competition this year, even if they haven't been able to put it all together. Um, and so seven is is pretty close. I, I, I you know ran this through the model this morning. Eight eight and a half was with the line that. I I had and so um, again opponent adjustments here are pretty big and so that's that's a little close for me to, to have a play on either side um, I'm interested in this just one because I like the idea of dynamic scheduling and making things happen on the fly two this is like winning the lottery for the Mac I mean the payout here is what like six times what they yeah, were getting for uh, the other bowl this is for the Arizona 175,000 for the Arizona Bowl and like 2.3 million for the wow. Sun Bowl yeah, this is um, life-changing money for uh, for the Mac. And, you know, as realignment happens and the Mac is in competition with the CUSA and the Sun Belt and everything, um, interesting to see kind of what the legacy of this this just basically money cash falling out of the sky is. That's, that's what's interesting to me. You have certainly got that right. Uh, Central Michigan has won six of their last seven games. They've been able to outscore uh, pretty much everybody other than Northern Illinois. Everybody remembers uh well, maybe uh, maybe us DGens remember the missed field goal or the uh, field goal that went through the hands of the holder. Uh, yeah, I I like Central Michigan here. I've already bet at seven and a half. I still like it at seven. I think Central Michigan has a shot to win the game here. Uh, Washington State to get amped up to go play against Miami to end your season and then be told, oh, you're playing against Central Michigan instead. I think that weighs a little bit. Uh, early game in El Paso. Uh, long way from home for both of these teams. I think Central Michigan loves the opportunity here. I wonder about Washington State and how fired up they will be. Uh, Washington State, they base a lot of what they do off the running game. They don't have both of their uh, top running backs here. And starting left tackle, like I said, out for this game. I, I like Central Michigan to be able to cover the seven here. So I'm going to make it official. I'm going to roll with the Chippewas plus seven. And I think they could win the game. So I will, I will certainly ride with them there. It's going to be a very, very fun ball game in El Paso, for sure. All right, I believe that is going to wrap up the games. Now, we do have one question from, uh, let's see, Eric from the Q&A. He said, do you guys think Sooner fans will take over the loud Alamo Dome tonight? Parker, let's start with you. What do you think? Uh, it's interesting. This is only Oklahoma's second um, non New Year's Six BCS games since I think 2009, maybe have that right, maybe 2010. Yeah. Um, and so in, interesting to see what happens. Uh, from what I've seen, they've been out in droves uh, in the Riverwalk. San Antonio is a great town, a uh, great town to visit. The Alamo Dome is um, got a lot of character uh, if it doesn't have a lot of appeal there. <laughs> and it does get very, very loud. Oregon, of course, has some terrible memories in the Alamo Dome. As a uh, as a TCU alum who doesn't have a lot to make fun uh, to to take joy in this year, I have to remind people of Alamo Bowl's past and Gary Patterson changing his shirt and everything. But um, not a bad drive for Sooner fans. I think they'll be there in droves. But Oregon travels pretty well historically, so um, not nothing nothing close to the chaos of you know UTSA versus Western Kentucky in the conference USA championship there. Right. But it'll be loud <laughs> for sure. No, I do think Kyle. Uh, my thoughts on this are uh, Oklahoma fans. If they had not hired the right guy then I don't know that the momentum for the program would be as big. I think that's kind of what helped them sell tickets. So I do think that Oklahoma is going to outnumber Oregon pretty easily here, uh, and they'll be loud because they are excited about getting, quote-unquote, one of their own in the program as the head guy again. Uh, and with Bob Stoops back coaching, like there's there's some real program momentum. What uh, What do you think about that? Yeah, I think that that helps. And Bob Stoops coaching this game helps quite a bit, too. You know, just that name and, and the presence there, Bob Stoops. Um, you know, I think that's why this game is the potential for a blowout if they get ahead early. So uh, I'd keep an eye on that one. And Oregon, I, I don't know that the the Oregon fans would be terribly excited about this game based on, you know, their expectations and how the season was going along. And then, uh, you know, all the opt outs and stuff, this, this wouldn't be as exciting of a game as what they were hoping for. So I, I don't think it'll be uh, UTSA loud, but it, it should be a fun atmosphere. Uh, we do have one more question from Tim. He said, what do you think about Oklahoma over 33 and a half points tonight? Uh, he said, I think Stoops has fun and lets it go. Uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you think it's going to go over uh, the whole game, then Oklahoma would be the driving factor behind that. 33 and a half, not, I mean, that's not even five touchdowns. 
Uh, Kyle, you got a thought on that one? Yeah, I, I mean, I like that. If, uh, like I said before, I don't, I don't want to bet this game, so I, I can't like anything too much about this game. But if I was going to bet something in this game, that's about my favorite thing I would bet is Oklahoma over um, team total. I think that's a good look. And, you know, there could be some scoring in the first half, even with people taking chances. So maybe a first half over uh, something like that. You know, this is this is a game that has so many unknowns that, you know, I just kind of feel like I talk in circles trying to figure out what to yeah. what to do with this game. But but I think Oklahoma uh, team total over I, I've seen far worse bets. Parker, what about you? Is this basically just flipping a coin? Yeah, again, I mean, I, I don't know how, I don't know that I have um, over 33. Sure, I mean, Caleb Williams is the best player, right? Like, and Oklahoma has five stars background. Like, if you believe that Caleb Williams is the best player on the field and you believe that Oklahoma's stable of five-star running back or uh, receivers is better than anything Oregon has, uh, yeah, I mean, they've scored at and around that against everybody except Baylor. So, I mean, they, they obviously have the potential to go off. Um, I think they're stupider bets. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not betting it. I'm that's not a doing great it, way. Yeah, I'm not betting. I'm not going to tell you. You know, pizza money. That's great. There you go. There you go. All right, uh, let's go ahead and round this show out. Let's do our picks recap now. Let's let you know what our best bets of the day are, uh, and we will start off with uh, Parker. Let's see, Parker. You can. Uh, da, 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 da. Let me pull up my screen here. Uh, you have got two so far today. So go ahead and let us know what you've got. Yeah, a little, little less volume here as we as we have some stuff shuffling around here at the end. But uh, Purdue plus six against Tennessee, I think, makes a lot of sense with their offense. And then Arizona to keep it close versus Wisconsin at, at plus six as well. I have got three of them today, so I'm a, a little bit heavier volume than usual. Uh, I do like Purdue plus six. I think it's too many points there. I think Aiden O'Connell will be able to throw in that Tennessee defense. Uh, Pitt and Michigan State, I like under 56. These are two defensive-minded head coaches without their best players. I think they will resort back to, you know, running the football, not doing anything crazy. They will be risk averse in this game. And in the Sun Bowl, I like the motivation factor for Central Michigan uh, covering the seven against Washington State. Washington State was supposed to play Miami and now they're playing Central Michigan. That's tough to get up for, especially early in the morning in El Paso. So I will take the Chippewas there. Kyle, uh, what have you got for us? I'm going to take Tennessee and Purdue over 64 and a half. I think there could be uh, some fireworks in that game. And then I'm also going to take Pitt and Michigan State the first half under 28. Totally makes sense. All right, let me remind everybody, go ahead and jump into the chat, jump into the comments. We want to know what your picks are on the game. If you have not already, hit that like button for us and make sure that you have subscribed to the channel. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. And, of course, the reminder... We will be live again on Thursday, 12 p.m. Eastern time, going over the playoff games, all of the New Year's Day games, etc. So make sure and join us back here on Thursday at 11 a.m. Central time, 12 p.m. Eastern time. So while, uh, while some of these games are going on, I do believe. Uh, with that said, oh, make sure and download the podcast if you've not already. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast, Apple, etc. And if any of those spots, I know Apple does, has a review section, Go ahead and leave us a nice five-star written review. It helps us out with the algorithm, et cetera. It is the BetUS football show. So if you want the audio version while you're traveling around, et cetera, that is the way to do it. Download the podcast. Uh, also, finally, go and sign up at BetUS.com. BetUS, that is where the game begins. Uh, the sports book is awesome. Tons of bonuses this time of year. Go and make sure that you are signed up at BetUS.com. With that said... We are going to get out of here, and we got more football to watch. Hopefully, you are as well. We hope that you will join us again on Thursday. For BetUS, we will see you all at 12 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday.